And his job is to walk through the fields, broadcasting seeds. Reach into the sack, throw the seeds. Reach into the sack, throw the seeds. Up one way and down the next, and up one way and down the next, all through the field. To plant the seeds for next year's harvest. It's a hopeful work. A purposeful work. A powerful work. Without the work of the sower, how can there be a crop? next year. He doesn't own the field. He's just hired to come in and to do the work. Others will come through the field later. And what is different about this day and about this man is that he has come there before those who are going to plow the fields. For in the time that Jesus spoke the parables, they didn't go through and disc the fields and make them all right and cut the rows and then come through and plant the plants. Not like they do today. They sowed the seeds first so that the plow could turn the seeds into the soil. And so it isn't a far stretch to anyone who has ever lived in Southern California through a, a long, hot summer where there was an empty field somewhere to watch the life burst forth in the field and then turn brown and go away and then see that little path that starts to get worn in the middle of the field, even with the dead weeds around, where the kids cut through to go to the 7-Eleven every day. And to notice that there's a little rock outcropping in one part of the field where, the, where as the soil comes up against the rock, it gets shallower and shallower and nothing ever seems to make it there. And if you've ever dri driven down by the little uh, irrigation canals in the rural parts of our country and seen all the black-eyed Susan and the other weeds that grow along the edge of every field, or if you're up in Oregon, it's all blackberries all the time, just growing everywhere then you know that by command, those who harvested last year had to leave the gleanings in the edge and the corners of the field. And by leaving the gleanings, they also left the weeds that were there. So 90%, 95% of this field is going to be healthy and productive. But the field has an institutional memory left over from years and years of being treated the same way. And where the path is, the birds know to follow the, the sowers. As they throw the seeds, they fall on the path, the birds flutter down, and they snap them up. It's breakfast time in Birdland. And where the seeds falling their way into the corners of the field, where the gleanings were left for the hungry after the harvest, there will be some growth, but in a very short period of time, they'll be choked out again. And all around where the rocks are, the plow can't get to that part plow can't go through the rockiest part of the field and so the seeds never get turned into the soil and they will sprout sure enough but they can't take set down and they can't take root so Jesus told a story that for us needs a little bit of explanation and context knowing that the sowers go into the field before the plow but in Jesus time everyone there would have understood what he was saying or you would think so now Matthew tells us in some verses that we skipped over today that Jesus spoke in parables because he was fulfilling a very important part of the prophet Isaiah. That he spoke to them in parables so that, and then we draw upon the sixth chapter of Isaiah here, people will see but not perceive. They will hear but not understand. For it is hidden from the wise of Jesus' generation 
but it is revealed to babes and to infants. And then he turned to his disciples and said, and you are blessed because God has revealed these things to you. And they went, right on, Lord. You've hidden it from the wise. You've hidden it from the officials. You've revealed it to us. Now, um, Lord, just one thing. What did the parable mean? He told them they were blessed because they understood, and yet they had no understanding. If you're not laughing at that point, you're not really uh, paying attention to what's happening. Because then Matthew turns around and he gives us the explanation of the parable. Parables are meant to live in our hearts. They're meant to go off like time bombs after a period of time. By telling this explanation, Matthew takes a wonderful parable and he turns it into an allegory. Where somebody, this means this, and that means that, and every part has an explanation. But I think Matthew was trying to share out of the life of the church in which he was living in the first century after the time of Christ. And he wants us to know a very powerful secret about how the kingdom of God unfolds. And so Jesus says, seed is the word of God. And when the sower sows the seed, some falls on the path. The seed that falls on the path is like someone who has no depths in their heart, no heart at all, no understanding. And the word for heart that Jesus uses here had several meanings or understandings. It was not only the heart that pumps within our chest, but it's also the heart of the whole philosophical mindset that was Judaism. So that when the seed falls on the path and the enemy comes and snatches it away, it's like those who, when they hear the word of God, immediately go into shutdown mode. I can't get my head around that. I can't get my heart around that. Don't talk to me about your God. So, the seed falls, but there is no heart there. And so the seed is taken away. And, and the seed that falls into the shallow roots, well, that's like somebody who immediately hears the word with joy. Yes, if God is the one who wins in the end, I want to be on God's side. Give me the bumper sticker. Give me the cross to hang around my neck. Give me a ring to wear on my finger. Let me tell the world that I'm all for Christ all the time. But then persecutions start. Then the troubles come. Then the challenges hit. And this person is like a person with shallow roots. There's no soul the word that Jesus is referencing here. No soul within the person. On the surface things look great, but there's no, there's no there underneath. So at the first sign of trouble, away they go. And they can't hang on. And then there are those who are overcome by all of the cares and concerns of the world, the building of wealth and the maintaining of wealth and all of the other things. When Scripture talks about our strength, Scripture is referencing not only our physical prowess, but everything that we come in contact with. All of our means. All of our estate, you might say. People who are in the third category of seed here that falls among the thorns and the thistles at the edge of the field are like those people who become so consumed in making their way in this world that they get choked out 
gospel has no place to thrive. Mind you, Jesus didn't come out and say it's like rich people. Because I've known plenty of people who were choked out by the cares and concerns of the world who never had two nickels to rub together. Greed and miserliness do not need wealth to exist in a human heart. Some people spend an entire lifetime ruining, lamenting, fretting over what they don't have. I used to have a book, and it had the most marvelous quote in it, and I loaned that book to somebody, and I can't remember who I loaned the book to, and I haven't seen it in five years, and I turned my household upside down looking for that book. And if Jesus were here, he would walk in and say to me, what was it you were looking for in that book? Well, it had this beautiful insight. Can you tell me about it? Yes, it was about how the, the properties of a flower are far more than the components of that flower. That petals and stamens and other kinds of things are the facts about a flower, but it's not the truth about the flower. And Jesus said, so there, you have the treasure that that book held for you in your heart. So why are you looking for the book? Give thanks for the treasure move on. But we do. We do consume ourselves with things. And yes, it is not lost on me how incredibly difficult it's going to be to preach this part of this sermon in rummage sale week. <laughs> because others are consumed by those things that they already have. One side are the fretting over what I don't have. And on the other side, the fret over all the things that I have amassed and all the things I have to maintain. I remember reading an old book by James Dobson many, many years ago, and he said, I bought a new swing set, and I thought, my kids are going to be so excited by this. And then I looked at the plans, and they were 35 pages long. And the first 20 pages were just filled with warnings and cautions about all the ways that this swing set could kill my children. If I didn't put it together right. Now I lay awake at night, he said, worrying about whether my kids are going to make it into adulthood or whether the swing set is going to eat them in the backyard. Whether we are consumed by them because we have them not, or whether we are consumed by them because we hold them and we're afraid to lose them, things will choke out the gospel. Our wealth is not made of the substance of this earth. Our wealth is built upon the grace of God. And this man walking home as the sun is setting, bone weary, hands aching, arms and shoulders tired, needing so much to get off his feet. And he stops and he pulls the hood over his head. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohim, Adonai, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one, and the Lord is our God. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your wealth. Every day, going out, coming in, and at bedtime. Every day on the lips of a prayer that becomes so routine that we don't even hear it anymore, is the secret to the kingdom of God.
that if we love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, then the kingdom is ours. Let him who has ears to hear, Jesus said, listen. We make it so hard sometimes. God has given us prayer. He's given us the scriptures. He's given us beautiful songs to sing. He's given us the gifts of one another. He's given us the disciplines of our faith. And there are those who come to God and say, if only I can do enough of this or enough of that or enough of the other, that someday maybe I'll measure up. And I want to tell you today in the name of Jesus, you have already measured up as far as any human is ever going to measure up because your admission to the kingdom of God is not based on a measuring up. It's based on the liberality of a sower who keeps throwing seeds day after day after day after day. How many times have I heard preachers on the radio or read in commentaries, now it's all about the soil, it's all about the soil, you've got to be good soil. You were listening to Jerry read the gospel this morning and you were thinking, what kind of soil am I? Weren't you? Do I have rocks in my life? Do I have weeds in my life? Am I a hard path that can't even receive the gospel? It's not about the soil, friends. Jesus was trying to tell the world that in every kind of circumstance, across all manner of circumstances, his father Abba continues to sow the seeds of grace into the world. And they're close by. So what can we do about such things? We can give him our hearts. We can explore the depths of our soul and we can ask those things that have crowded out our lives to take a back seat. This is going to be especially challenging for me in the next two weeks, if you don't mind a little self-disclosure. Because we're going to a very beautiful place in Lake Superior, and I'm going to have my grandkids there, and there's going to be opportunities for tennis and for swimming and for this and for that and the other, and, and I've got this week or two away from Funko, and it's, it can be very tempting to say, man, let's just make the most of this time. But I already hear God speaking to my heart and saying, you need to be quiet for a while. Take it down a step. You need to notice. Listen. You need to get past the doing, Pastor Bill. So that you can hear God say how much you are loved in the being. And so I thought I'd share that with all of you this morning. All of you with to-do lists that are more than a half a page long, raise your hand right now. Yeah. <coughs> And I want to tell you in the name of Jesus, there's nothing on that list that's going to be impressive to God tomorrow. But you, with or without that list, are so loved, so beloved by God. He just keeps trying to say it over and over and over again. Put down your lists. Take this moment and this time and worship. Let him have all of it. Just all of it. Just let him have it.
because he loves you just for who you are. This is the good news. And it's right there, right in front of us, every day, as we love the Lord our God with all our heart and all our soul and with all our strength. Amen.